Welcome into episode one of the Bible Reading Podcast. Today we are reading Genesis 1, Ezra 1, Matthew 1, and Acts chapter 1 together. We're also asking the question, who in the world was Ezra anyway? And we got a few tips for you for those who are your first time going through a Bible reading plan. So, who am I? My name is Chase Thompson. I'm the host of the show. I am a pastor in the Salinas, Monterey Bay area of Central California. If you're anywhere around the area, I invite you to join us at Valley Baptist Church every Sunday morning at 1030. There's a friendly bunch of people there for you. I've been in ministry for a little over 20 years. I also write books and have taught at the college and seminary level. Um, here's how the show's going to go at least at first. I'm sure it will kind of develop as we go forward. But the whole point is we're going to be reading the Word of God together and discussing it. So each day we will start out reading a chapter from one of the day selections from our Bible plan. And for this podcast, we're going with the Robert Murray McShane Bible reading plan. Doing that, it'll enable us to read the whole Old Testament this year, plus the New Testament and Psalms twice. So it's a really awesome reading plan. And if you are the type of person that likes to listen to the Word of God, well, you can subscribe to this podcast and we will read it every day. So we'll pick one chapter at first and we'll read that chapter. Then we will ask and answer a question about that particular passage and throw in some biblical encouragement also, maybe from somebody like a Charles Spurgeon or a C.S. Lewis or somebody that's still alive today, maybe a David Platt or a John Piper, a Tim Keller or a D.A. Carson or whatever. After that, you can check out and be done with the episode and it'll be a quick one for you. But for those who want to listen to the entire selection of today's readings in the Robert Murray McShane Bible Reading Plan, the other three chapters will be read at the end of the podcast. In my mind, there's no practical spiritual difference between hearing the Word of God and reading the Word of God. Both of those things are equally profitable. So it's not all at all cheating to listen to the Word rather than to read it, provided you can do it without your mind wandering. It reminds me of uh, Paul, what he said in Romans ten seventeen. He said, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So when we hear the word of God, it's building faith in us, and that's really important. So without much more introduction, we are going to read the word of God. This is Ezra chapter 1 from the Christian Standard Bible Translation. Ezra 1 verse 1. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah, the Lord roused the spirit of King Cyrus to issue a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom and to put it in writing. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of the heavens, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house at Jerusalem and Judah. Any of his people among you, may his God be with him, and may he go to Jerusalem and Judah and build the house of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. Let every survivor, wherever he resides, be assisted by the men of that region with silver, gold, goods, and livestock, along with a free will offering for the house of God in Jerusalem. So, the family heads of Judah and Benjamin, along with the priests and Levites, 
everyone whose spirit God had roused prepared to go up and rebuild the Lord's house in Jerusalem. All their neighbors supported them with silver articles, gold, goods, livestock, and valuables, in addition to all that was given as a free will offering. King Cyrus also brought out the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from Jerusalem and had placed in the house of his gods. King Cyrus of Persia had then brought out under the supervision of Milthredath the treasurer, who counted them out to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. This was the inventory. 30 gold basins, 1,000 silver basins, 29 silver knives, 30 gold bowls, 410 various silver bowls, and 1,000 other articles. The gold and silver articles totaled 5,400. Sheshbazar brought all of them when the exiles went up from Babylon to Jerusalem. So that's Ezra chapter 1. But who is Ezra anyway? Well, he's mentioned in the Bible in somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 or so times. And it's obvious he was a priest. And it's obvious he was zealous for the name of the Lord. And he was a preacher of sorts, an early version of a preacher. And you can read about him in uh, places like Nehemiah chapter 8, which says this, When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people gathered together at the square in front of the water gate. They asked the scribe, Ezra, who was also a priest, to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had given Israel. On the first day of the seventh month, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding. While he was facing the square in front of the water gate, he read out of it from daybreak until noon before the men and the women and those who could understand. All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Verse 6 says, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and with their hands uplifted, all the people said, Amen, Amen. Then they knelt low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Man, that is an awesome passage. As a pastor, as a preacher, it fires me up. Well, not necessarily because Ezra apparently preached for six hours. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm quite down with that. Um, that's a long time. But the people were listening attentively. And what was the result of them hearing the word of God? Well, they, with their hands lifted up, praised God. Then they got on their faces and they worshiped God with all of their heart. That is awesome. What a beautiful picture. So Ezra was an interesting dude. He was a priest. He was a scribe. He was a writer. He was a religious re reformer. And he lived about 458 years before the birth of Jesus, during the reign of Artaxerxes I. His name actually means God helps. He was the son of a high priest, and he the the high priest that was taken captive by the Babylonians. Uh, through God's provision, Ezra and Nehemiah were able to secure permission to return from captivity back to Jerusalem and to begin rebuilding the temple. Ezra was given the authority to ensure that the worship was happening the way it was supposed to, sacrifices were taking place, and to appoint leaders and administer justice and to teach the word of God to people who didn't really understand it. He was also 
given the authority to punish disobedience to the law of God. And we're going to read a little bit more of that as we go on. Well, Ezra was a pretty fascinating guy. Before we read the other Bible passages, I do want to hit you with a little bit of advice on how to do a Bible reading plan, especially if this is your first time through it. Um, it's, it's tricky. The fact is, unless you're just a super, super consistent person, you're going to miss a day from time to time. And here's where people usually fail to complete a Bible reading plan. They miss a day, maybe they miss two days, and then it comes time to read the Bible on that third day. But lo and behold, you've got 12 or 14 chapters to read. And you're thinking, man, I don't know that I have time an hour or plus to read all this this Bible. And of course, it wouldn't take you an hour, but in your mind, you're probably convincing it yourself it would. Well, here's the good news for you. You don't have to catch up by reading all that you've missed. You're not going to get a reward in heaven for reading through the whole Bible in a year. You're not going to be any better than anybody else. We're not doing this for re- the reward of it. I'm not saying it's not going to be beneficial. But don't look at this as earning a crown by doing 100% of the readings. It's not really that way. You have grace here. If you miss a day, catch up if you can. If it's overwhelming to catch up, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw up your hands and say, I'll never catch up. That's fine. Just listen to or read the day's reading that you're on, and do it without any guilt. Do it with all kinds of joy, knowing that God is gracious. What about when you should start? Should you start on January the 1st? No, you can join with us anytime. Just pick up with the reading for the date you join. It's no better to start a Bible reading plan on the 1st of January than it is on August the 27th or December the 25th or whatever, November the 11th. The point is, of course, to read and follow God's word. And there's no sooner time to begin doing that than today, whatever today is. Finally, don't just read to accomplish a goal. Savor the word of God. Live by it. Let it get into you. It, when Robert Murray McShane wrote this, this Bible reading plan, it was very interesting. He was a 29 year old guy. He was pastoring a church in Scotland, in Dundee, Scotland. Shout out to my friend Ian there. Um, he was pastoring a church there. He wrote this Bible plan for his people. He was going to take them through reading the Bible through a year. Tragically, he died of typhus two and a half months after he wrote this. So he never was able to see his people through this, but he did write them a letter with lots of practical advice for reading through the word in the year. And here's one of his warnings. He warned against formality, and he said this, and I've slightly modernized the language, but he said, we're such weak people that really that any regularly occurring duty is likely to de- degenerate into a lifeless ritual. The tendency of reading the word of God by a fixed plan may, in some minds, be apt to create a dead kind of religion. Dead religion is to be the particular sin of the last days, quote, having the appearance of godliness but denying his power. Guard against this, says Pastor McShane. Let the Bible reading plan die rather than the rust of dead religion eat up your souls.
Man, that's a powerful word. It's a great challenge, and, and it's one we really should heed. This does not, reading through the Bible does not give us the kind of pharisaical righteousness that makes, makes us better than anybody else. Let it drive you to the Lord. Let me read you a couple of quotes from Spurgeon, and then we're going to get into Genesis and Matthew and Acts. Uh, commenting on this passage, Charles Spurgeon, my hero of the faith, the preacher from the England in the 1900s, said this. He said, Babylon had overthrown Judah, and now in its turn, it was vanquished by King Cyrus of Persia. This was greatly for the good of the Jews, for the Persian king became their friend and patron, according to ancient prophecies. Thus, the Lord's purposes were fulfilled. When his time has come, all things work together to accomplish his designs. These vessels were the lawful spoil of Cyrus when he captured the city of Babylon and its temples. A generous spirit prompted him to restore them to their ancient use. God knows, says Spurgeon, God knows how to provide for his own temple. Cyrus restored the vessels, but the Lord's hand was in the matter. And that's a great truth. Sometimes people bless us, even people that aren't followers of God. But behind all of that, it is God doing the good thing and God doing the work. So if that's all you're here for, great. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. But for those who actually want to listen to all the passages, this is Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning, one day. Then God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters, separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. Evening came and then morning, the second day. Then God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the water he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Evening came and then morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for seasons and for days and years. They will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night as well as the stars. Verse 17, God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth to rule the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. God saw that it was good. Evening came and then morning, the fourth day. Then God said, Let the water swarm with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth 
across the expanse of the sky. So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He also created every winged creature according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters of the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came and then morning, the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that crawl, and the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then morning, the sixth day. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. An account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Aram. Aram fathered Amminadab. Amminadab fathered Nashan. Nashan fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered King David. David fathered Solomon by Uriah's wife. Solomon fathered Rehoboam. Rehoboam fathered Abijah. Abijah fathered Asa. Asa fathered Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat fathered Joram. Joram fathered Uzziah. Uzziah fathered Jotham. Jotham fathered Ahaz. Ahaz fathered Hezekiah. Hezekiah fathered Manasseh. Manasseh fathered Ammon. Ammon fathered Josiah. And Josiah fathered Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah fathered Shealtiel. Shealtiel fathered Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel fathered Abiad. Abiad fathered Eliakim. Eliakim fathered Azor. Azor fathered Zadok. Zadok fathered Achim. Achim fathered Eliad. Eliad fathered Eleazar. Eleazar fathered Matan. Matan fathered Jacob. And Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Christ.
So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14, and from David until the exile to Babylon, 14, and from the exile to Babylon unto the Christ, 14 generations. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Now, I realize the the genealogies of Jesus are not the most interesting thing to have read to you. However, in ancient times, it's worth knowing that your genealogy was similar to our resume of today. And when you look at the genealogy of Jesus, you see some pretty spotty characters. You see rape, you see murder, you see incest. And in my mind, that sort of wages war against the idea that the early church deified and legendified Jesus. They wouldn't have had that rape and murder and incest in his resume or his genealogy if they were trying to fabricate him as the Son of God or as something that he really wasn't. That's in there because it's true. Finally, the last reading of the day. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing truths, appearing to them over a period of forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Verse 12. 
When they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away, when they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They were continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. The number of people who were gathering together was about 120 and said, Brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the scripture be fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold about Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was one of our number and shared in this ministry. Now, this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages. He fell head first, his body burst open, and his intestines spilled out. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem, so that in their own language that field is called Hakeldama, that is, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling become desolate, let no one live in it, and let someone else take his position. Therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time the Lord Jesus went in out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken from us, from among these it is necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed too. Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, You, Lord, know everyone's heart. Show which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic ministry that Joseph, that Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. That is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thank you, friends, for listening. We will back, be back tomorrow, January 2nd, when we will read Genesis 2, Ezra 2, Matthew 2, and Acts chapter 2 together. If you have questions, comments, ways to improve, whatever, be sure to check out our website, BibleReadingPodcast.com. Thank you and good night.